Our scripture passage today is an extended version of what we heard in the children's sermon. So let us pray. God, as these words of your holy word leap from the page in our hearing, send your Holy Spirit upon us that we may hear with joy and receive with wisdom what you are saying to your church this day. In Christ we pray. Amen. The third chapter of the book of James. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes is perfect in speaking, able to keep the whole body and check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot, the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, yet, and it sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of bird and beast, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue. A restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine, figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there, is also, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't think I heard you quite well. Thanks be to God. There you go. <laughs> James bars no holds. He just lays it right out there. 
Tame the tongue, for it is a wild beast, inspired by the noxious fumes of hell itself. You know all about forest fires, and you work diligently and feverishly to stamp them out, but the tongue? You let that rump run rampant. Guard and keep your tongues, ye wretches, for your boasting and your gossiping are earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. Do you kiss your mother with that mouth? Shame on the whole lot of you. Well, James gets to say it. The preacher doesn't. The preacher himself must sit, must sit alongside the congregation in the pew and just take it. Because James is talking to every single one of us. The preacher doesn't get to sit on the sidelines nodding. Oh, mm, yes, you tell them, James. Mm, keep it coming. They sure need to hear this. Oh, no. The preacher gets to say things like, let us be kind to one another in thought, word, and deed. Sisters and brothers, let us show the love to one another as Jesus first showed us God's love. Amen. James, on the other hand, gets to chastise, to chide, and to cajole, insulting us and sending us away to lick our wounds. The preacher, if he has any measure of wisdom at all, knows when to keep his lips sealed. For as Voltaire said over 300 years ago, everything you say should be true, but not everything true should be said. So how is it that James gets to say the things that we preachers daren't? Who is this James anyway? Well, we just don't know for sure. Most likely he is a Christian from Jewish background, his name, James, is actually Jacob. And how he gets to be called James in the English Bible is a very long story. And if you want to read about it, you can check out my book on transformed identities and name changes in the New Testament. <laughs> Footnote, do not go to Amazon because I never wrote such a book. I just want you to think I'm smart. Okay, here we go. Anyway, this James is identified in the letter simply as a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. We don't know if this James is the disciple of the Lord, the James, the brother of Jesus, James, the head of the church in Jerusalem. What we learn from the letter is that this James is pretty knowledgeable about human nature and knowledgeable about what it means for us human beings to live in community. Here are some of the things that James has already said, building up to chapter 3. Whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that this is the testing of your faith, and it produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives it to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. The sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the field. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. It is the same way with the rich. In, in the midst of a busy life, they will wither away. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will, and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not merely, merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror for they look at themselves and on going away, immediately they forget what they were like. Now this is a long list. So this is the moment for an interlude in the midst of that long list. Time for a song. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make a, the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. Or something like that. No, no. <laughs> if it were Mozart, I could sing it better. But uh, Michael Jackson's a little harder for me. Okay. On with our list things that James has said to this point. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs. What is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. One more. Someone will say, if you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works and I will by my works show you my faith. You see that a person is justified by works and not, you say that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. These are all the things he says to build up to what he tells us about the tongue. But it was on this last point that James' letter puts him at odds with the preaching of Paul, the apostle. Paul himself, though he says, we are made right not through works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. He also says in the same letter, be careful how you treat one another. For if you bite and snap at one another, be careful that you do not devour one another. With the law of liberty comes a calling to be servants to one another in love. Martin Luther the 16th century former, however, he called this James book, he called it an epistle of straw. And he didn't want to sit there in the pew and listen to James' admonishments. Well, 
I guess that James' letter to the early Christian, some of them, and to, to Luther himself, it just wasn't Christian enough, they thought. I mean, where's the good news? The good news that, that faith comes not through works, but through grace. Where's the good news that is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me? I have been co-crucified with Christ and the walls of the law that separated us from God and with one another no longer exist. In Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven. And Christ who died for us, who made, who made expiation for us, now sits at the right hand of God and prays for us, making intercession for us. In Christ, we are a new creation. Well, it's there. It really is. The good news is behind what James is telling us, undergirding every admonishment and encouragement. It's the only way that the preacher can admonish the flock is if the gospel is already known. The law of liberty precedes the mutual servanthood. What is the very first thing our brother Jacob, I mean James, tells us in his letter? My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the, the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you might mature and complete, be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Everything for which James admonishes us can only be said on, the, on this opening statement, based on this that the whole letter is about maturing in faith. You all know the good news. Thanks be to God. Otherwise, you wouldn't be hearing this letter, this little sermon. Now, don't rest on your laurels, James is saying to us, but act as if the victory wreath that is your laurel is still out ahead of you. Keep running this race. But if you want to get to the finish line with any semblance of the image of God shining through your muddy selves, then you're going to have to learn to live with each other. Everything is a test, a trial, everything. I know you consider it a burden that you have cast off, but you're all going to have to learn to live with one another, dare I say, even to love one another. Look past the world's designations and see what God sees. You are brothers and sisters in one family, co-inheritors of the kingdom, and therefore, it's time to tame the tongue. You can do it. It's a trial, I know. This is your big chance to grow in your faith, to grow up, that is, to mature. And consider it a joy. A joy, really? Well, lest we get too far away from James' message itself, let's summarize. You who are maturing in the faith will be judged with greater strictness. All of us make mistakes. Let the tongue look at the tongue, and it had, that has a lot of power. It's like an unbridled horse. It's powerful enough to, if it were a rudder, it would guide the largest oil tanker. It could set afire the entire western U.S., were it just one spark. It is inspired by our darkest nature. You cannot bless and curse with the same mouth. Remember that everyone you see is made in the image of God. Speak to one another, speak to one another as if you really believed this. The world already has enough forest fires. Don't start any so close to home, to your heart's home. 
Now you could raise your hand for this next question. How many of you have ever seen the show, the TV show, The Dog Whisperer? The Dog Whisperer. We have a few, only a few hands. I'm surprised. Caesar Milan. Uh, I don't know which channel he's on, but he's the Dog Whisperer. And what he does is that he says, what I do is I, I don't train dogs. I rehabilitate dogs and I train human beings, right? Caesar is the Zen master of dealing with dogs and humans. You know, for over 30 years, people have been coming to Caesar saying, my dog is out of control. Caesar quickly assesses the situation and calmly re-educates the human beings with calm assertiveness, redirecting the dog's attention, setting boundaries and, gain, and gaining consistency in behavior. Caesar demonstrates that dogs respond not, not so much to words, but to actions and intentions. Sometimes all he need do is make a sound. And the dog's attention is recentered, guided by the human will with mind and heart in concert. And when we, the human beings, are committed to calm, centered consistency and clarity, dogs respond. I wish there were a little Caesar Milan that would fit inside my head and guide my tongue. Every time I feel the impulse to gossip or to tattletale or to mock, that little Caesar Milan in my head would ch and redirect my attention, keeping me from uttering those words that I could never take back. You know what I heard? Ch you never believe what he did. Ch Can you believe that she would be so st Maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit could be this for us. Perhaps this is why we need scriptures like James to be the little Caesar Milan in our head, in our spirit, to cause us to be not only mindful, but kindful. Yes, it was Voltaire who said long ago, but it is still scriptural, speak truth always. But not every truth needs to be spoken. Now there are truly times when we do need to speak the truth. James is not telling us to stay silent when the truth would be genuinely liberating. We do need to speak out for truth. What James wants us to be is to be mindful and kindful and ask, is what am I about to say kind, constructive, genuinely true? Is it necessary? Is it beneficial in this moment? Does it build up community? Or am I just looking for a way to wound another as I have been wounded? Am I seeking an ally to join me in my victimhood? The tongue is a flame. Am I using that flame to light a candle in the dark? To shine the light of truth? Or am I carelessly tossing out sparks in a drought beleaguered forest? James might ask us to think, is what you're about to say inspired by the foul winds of hell or by the life-giving breath of the Spirit? James is not just a letter writer. He is clearly a pastor. Why? Because he knows what it means to, for us to live in community. He's talking to fellow followers of the Lord of life. He knows how we interact with each other, 
because he knew then how those early followers of Jesus were interacting. His words come down fresh and meaningful to us today because they, they ring true. A clarion call to the conscience. Unless we think his message is all law and no gospel, we've got one more word from James, the last part of chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Did you hear the good news in this? I have to admit, we seek for it and it's there, but it's behind the scenes. It's the ground on which we set up the tent of our good deeds. Think back to last week's sermon. Losing grip and decentering ourselves because it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us and through us for the world. All the good to which James calls us, the good fruits of truth, wisdom, gentleness, mercy, righteousness, and peace, these are only possible because of the good news that Jesus Christ has liberated us from our old selves. The good news was first proclaimed in the first chapter of Genesis, we are made in the image and likeness of God. The good news that our old worldly selves have been co-crucified with Christ and it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. As much as I'd love a little Caesar Milan living in my head with his ch here and a ch there, here a ch, there a ch, everywhere a ch, ch. with strong but loving guidance, I'd love more to be mindful that Christ, it is Christ who lives in me. As we hear from Paul in Philippians, have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. Christ who guides our hearts, our minds, our tongues. Who trains us to tame the tongue and to grow into a mature faith, to grow in community. Sure, I could go and live in a monastery uh, where they don't allow any talking and uh, guard the world from my wicked tongue. Or I could choose to live in this world, the world that God has made, and acknowledge the image of God in others, seeing Christ in that person, and guide my tongue to speak that I acknowledge truth and seek so I can speak truth and seek after reconciliation at the same time. One last thing. This last week, the world learned of the passing of a man named Eddie Jaku, and he passed away at the age of 101. You may not have heard of him, I hadn't, but he wrote a book that was published and released when he was 100 years old. The title of this book, The Happiest Man on Earth. The subtitle of the book is The Beautiful Life of an Auschwitz Survivor. Eddie's story is that he, as a young man, survived three death camps, having seen all of his family members murdered. At one point, Eddie escaped from a transfer train and lived in the forest for months until he was rescued. And he lived over 70 years more beyond this horrific time. 
And this is what he said about life. I do not hate anyone. Hate is a disease which will destroy your enemy, but will also destroy you. Happiness does not fall from the sky. It's in your hands. I'm doing everything I can to make this world a better place for everyone. Eddie's life and words were not shaped or set on fire by the winds of hell, though he had experienced hell itself. From the overflow of Eddie's heart, words spilled forth in truth and peace and love. And if we have truly experienced the grace of God in the love of Jesus Christ, then we are to speak words of life to one another. And this is our trial and our joy and our calling. Time to tame the tongue? It seems impossible. But as Jesus once told his disciples long ago about forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life, for mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible, and this is good news. Thanks be to God. Amen.